1: Navigation system. Please
2: say a command.
1: On. Ignition. Power. Seatbelts. Fastened. Shift. Drive. Twin City sports fans, hold on tight. Live
0: from the TCL Broadcast Studios, this is the Ride with Royce. He's
1: going the distance. He's going for
0: speed. Count one and two. And a straight count for round number two. A chopper to second. Picked up by Kinsler, and the AL wins it. A final of 5 3. Perkins gets the save, and the AL wins in
1: Derek Jeter's final All Star Game appearance. Ah, that was uh, and it's certainly not the highlight of Glenn Perkins' career, but probably as much fun as he's ever had. That as was a, cool. Uh, pitcher, uh, yeah. Coming in to get the last three outs in uh, the All Star Game. Played right here in uh, minnesota 2014 and uh, remember how nervous we were about what the weather was going to be like it was colder than hell on monday well, monday the home run to, derby was delayed yes That's right a half hour and it mm-hmm. was cold then it got a little bit warmer but it turned out to be a decent night and perky uh pitching to suzuki in a disappointing twin season uh glenn perkins uh to the surprise of no one is not going to pitch anymore, I guess, but uh, he has not. Uh, I, I did a piece with him in August or September when he came back and he still couldn't throw well and he, they weren't using him much that so it would probably look like it was all over and I, I had a bunch of stuff from him. Uh, well, apparently Thad Levine, the general manager, was on the caravan and he was asked a Perkins question and uh, Levine, being an honest fellow that he is, said that uh, Glenn's going to retire and then he also said, "We'll have a place for him in the organization if he's interested, which he would be." I'm not sure if he was just saying that or if it's uh, indeed uh, something that they might do. I contacted Perk, and I don't think that he wants to go on the air right now and sure talk, he wants to talk give it some time. This. Sure. Well, he was. I think that maybe they were preparing to make a little more formal announcement before. I don't know why. I don't know what, mm-hmm. but uh, I think he was caught by surprise that Levine had said this on the road. So, anyway, not a not a not a big issue. Uh, Perk is he he said last year that he would have no interest in pitching anywhere else except for the Twins. Because of the family yep. situation, and I I think it was in spring training where I talked to him, and he said if they didn't pick up his option. He was not, then this was when there was still a possibility he'd be ready to pitch and have a good year. Well, that never happened. Obviously, he only pitched in 10 games his last two seasons. But they still got their money's worth because uh, 2000, he became a closer, what, about halfway through 2012, right?
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: They, he pitched seventy ga- in 70 games that year, and they started letting him finish maybe in August. He had 16, 36, 34, and 32 saves. And, of course, in 15, he was perfect until the All-Star game. In in, Cincinnati, uh, With that team. And then he blew one in Kansas City. And he actually, I I remember blowing that game in Kansas City, and it was kind of like a couple of fairly cheap hits and something happened. But then he went in the the tank that year. But so basically in a... uh, Uh, from 2000 from the middle of 2012 to the middle of 2015 52 86 and uh, i think he only had a couple three saves after after that so he's got 120 saves in uh over 120 saves in three years there basically and uh uh, you know, that's 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 a pretty good run when you're playing where a team that's losing 95 games, yes. there aren't that many opportunities. Well, and that's just it, you know, too, you know, was, because he did have such a good run with,
0: with yeah. at a time when this organization was about as bad as it's been mm-hmm. uh, for that run that they had after, you know, the, during the 2011, 2012, and so on. We all yes. know the story. So that's what makes mm-hmm.
1: his run that much more impressive. Yeah, he was a closer when they lost. Uh, I'm doing this off the top of my head. But he was a closer when they lost 96 lost 96 they could even 99 they lost in 11 he wasn't the closer but the next two years i think they lost 96 in each of those years and then they lost 93 was it and then they uh and then they of course uh, had a winning season in 2015 but he was he was at his zenith there for two years when they were losing 95 games a year so it uh he he had a very good run Former Gopher, giving a lot of money to the Gophers. You go over and, you know, he gets, he's gets he got ripped some, and he can be a little grump, grumpy at times when he's uh, about certain things. But you go over and ask Johnny Anderson when he thinks of Glenn Perkins and the support they've given the Gopher uh, basketball, uh, baseball program mm-hmm. over there. He's, uh, he's done a lot for the uh, university.
0: And he's, you know, if you look around, I mean, he's the kind of pitcher that this team is trying to get right now. You know, they made a lot of additions to the bullpen. You know, when he was... Think about if he had that run, you know, during when all these closers are making this, these extremely rich contracts right now, back then, that's the kind of guy that these teams are looking for right now. And he came to them, what, in
1: before 14 and said, let's do he something here. Sign something. Because he wanted so to stay he here. He did. And it's, uh, you know, it, he got the shoulder surgery and it was much worse than people thought it was. And he never got to really pitch again in the last two years. And, uh, I think, what was the buyout? 500000 Something like that. But, but yeah, and you
0: could tell, too, when they were kind of giving him his little send-off when they would bring him in at mm-hmm. the end of last year. He just, you knew, he, and he knew, too, that he just it just wasn't going to happen anymore. Nope, which is too bad but, because, uh, man, when he was on the top of his game, he was good. Lights out, man.
1: Well, he's uh, got a, I haven't been out there yet, but he's got a nice little ranch out there in Lakeville now with, uh, he's got fishing, he's got hunting, he's got a hockey rink for the girls. He's uh, <laughs> He's... He's living the, the the dad life out there. Is he going to go far,
0: on and be on the tractor every day, too, when he's out at the farm, too? He
1: can do that. You know, he is kind of a handyman. Is he going kind of to that do stuff? Okay. He, was building, he was helping build his rink, and uh, I texted him, and I said, I suppose you got to rink the shovel. You can't come in. He <laughs> said... I got a lot more than a rink to shovel after yesterday, so uh, I
3: think he's. I wonder if it'll be like Far two, where we'll see him in like a year or so, and he'll have forearms like Popeye. Like, like Far did. Remember when Far popped up at some yeah. random event, and you looked at his That's arms, you were like, "Jeez,
1: <laughs> three straight All Star teams." You got to say that was a good career. Oh, we haven't. Oh, yeah, yes, three yeah. straight All Star teams, uh, and and none of them really by uh, because the year he went in fourteen, there were two of them. Suzuki went, so it wasn't yep. like you got to be our only twin. And I think in thirteen, didn't he go, with Joe? I think he went. I don't think he ever went as a. One, I don't think he ever went as a single.
3: Because thirteen was Joe's last year as a catcher, right?
1: Yeah, I think he went in thirteen with Joe. Fourteen with Suzuki, and then fifteen and somebody else went with him too, right? I think I that's right. Who was Dozier? Well, no, Dozier's All Star year was sixteen, right? His. I can't period.
0: remember. I can't I think, remember. I
1: think, I never think. I don't think he ever went because there was nobody else.
0: No, he went because he was one of the best relief uh, pitchers uh, yeah. in baseball. That's so, exactly anyway. why he went. So you, you know, you mentioned too that Levine had suggested that there's a role for him in the front office. I,
1: I kind of see him. Statistical guy. Yeah, he, I see he, him
0: doing he, something like that.
1: He'd love to do it, but I, I didn't know what his relationship with with, with the new with regime was. So we'll find out.
0: Because he's not going to go the broadcasting route. Do you think?
1: You yeah, know him pretty well. I don't think so. I don't. I don't know. I, you know, if the twins, they already have about five of these guys That's now. They're gonna put more on the air.
3: That's true. And yeah, it was so. just him and Joe in 2013. Okay. How yeah, about 15? Who went? who uh, did Who'd I he go with? I he went to... with
1: somebody in 15. Who, who it was probably Dozier,
3: it? wasn't it? Because that was Cincinnati, right? Yeah. 2015. Was that yeah, yeah first cause one? that was because Dozier was like the final vote in right? Oh yeah, that's when we did then the he mo- Dozier thing and, and then he ended up hitting a home run late in that game when we were all like, yeah, he's not that's an all-star. Right. Yeah. Okay.
1: All right. Yeah. We uh, shall return. This is the Ride with Racing. Four in the shot clock. Wiggins scoops it
3: in anyway. Yikes. Three on two. Wallace all the way to the hole. Knocked away from behind by Wiggins. Wiggins. Feeling it for sure. Pounds still without a field goal. Wow. Wiggins
1: will a conscience. All right, there's uh there's been some important uh important events in local sports that are hard to fathom. And the, the loss at Philadelphia is number one, 38 to 7. Yes. Number two is this. The Timberwolves defeat the Clippers last night 126-118. Now the Clippers were missing some people and the uh, Timberwolves were missing some people. That improved the Timberwolves to 31 and 18. 7 and 11 against the East and 24 and 7 <laughs> against the West.
3: Wow. And I believe 3 and 0 against the Clippers this year.
1: That is the best in-conference record in the NBA this season. That's the best record for any team playing in its own conference this season. Holy cow, I didn't realize it was that good. Toronto's 19-6 and in the East. Uh, It is uh, rather uh, phenomenal. And Andrew Wiggins goes and gets 40, 16 out of 28 shooting. And uh, that is the most since he got 41 at Staples Center against the Lakers last April 9th. He has now set season highs in back-to-back games after averaging only 15 points per game over his first five. So all along. I have been suggesting that Wiggins has had to be moved to this secondary role mm-hmm. because Jimmy Butler is now the man. And I'm not arguing with Jimmy Butler being the man, but Wiggins has been the man for the last two games, yeah. and he has been a pretty good player. He got 40 and 30, what was it, 32 or I think three, he had 32 against 32 Toronto. 32 the other day yeah. against Toronto. So... Uh, this could be Butler missing these couple of games and maybe a few more. Who knows? He's got a sore knee. Could be the thing this kid needs to get rolling here. You know, to get to well, get that, going. he's not going to, he's not going to get as many shots when Butler comes back. But it, it it could give him the kind of the little boost emotionally that he I think he needed.
3: I think when Butler comes back and is able to play again. Which you know it could be the next game. It could be a couple of games from now. Who knows? It, I I think that Andrew Wiggins is at his best when he is active. Yes, when he's cut. When you know when he doesn't have the ball in his hands, when he cuts and moves and and gets himself into positions to be effective. That's that's when he's good. He he, he where he gets into trouble is when, you know, you look and you see. Wig or uh, you see Butler or you see Teague or Tyus or somebody else with the ball in their hands and they're trying to make something happen and he's just kind of standing in one, one spot and it's usually on that left that left wing spot mm-hmm. on the floor and he just kind of stands there and he doesn't do anything but and he's then he...
1: playing Butler's position now right right, right. I mean, he's playing Butler's started... position
3: and and because Jimmy's not playing Wiggins is going to have the ball in his hands a lot more mm-hmm. so he gets more opportunities so to so what do create, you do and... when you got them both. I think that, that that's going to be I mean it's it's he's going to have to adjust again because when Jimmy Butler comes back you know the ball's going to be in his hands a few times and Wiggins is going to have to learn how to how play, play off the, off the ball him. and be and be active and cut and I mean you you hear Thibodeau say it after every game it's like you know when they when they lose and when they have a bad night offensively when Wiggins struggles he says they're not moving enough. They're mm-hmm. not cutting. They're not, you know, they're not being active offensively. I want
0: to ask a really stupid question because I follow the NBA and I I do love basketball, but there are parts of it I don't understand. Right now, I don't understand, and I'm not trying to go Joe Sushery on it. But why isn't it the case that he can't play like that if Jimmy Butler's on the court? I don't I don't
3: get that part of it. Because Jimmy is, Jimmy is ball dominant. You notice if you if, if you see him out there, he has the ball in his hands a lot, and mm-hmm. Jeff Teague has the ball in his hands a lot. And it's it's more of an issue with Wiggins because, and he had the same problem at Kansas. This was the knock on him at Mm -hmm. Kansas. This is what people were worried about him is when he was at Kansas, he would just kind of kind of drift off offensively a little bit, and Bill Self had to sort of motivate him, had to had to kind of get on him a little bit about just you know just being being more engaged offensively when the ball's not in his hands. When those other guys are not around, though, they right. engage him by giving him the ball. Sure, right. He <laughs> has sure. the ball more. When, yeah. when Jimmy's not out there, yeah. Wiggins is going to have more touches and he's going to get more shots. And Because I know he
0: has his critics,
3: uh, uh, Wiggins I'm talking critics. about. He has lots of critics. And mm-hmm.
0: I'm certainly not defending him in any way. He, there were points this year where he wasn't playing that well. But he's also a kid you just simply can't give up on.
1: Well, uh, right. it, it was rather humorous after the game yesterday when uh, they were talking about how many is it tonight? We find out the all-star
3: reserves, right? Yes, At about uh, seven and, o'clock. And think, how many uh,
1: all-star reserves that they were going to have? Whether Towns and Butler were both going to make it? And Tib said, "I'd like to put in a word for Wiggs, Wiggy, <laughs> too." I think maybe just to make Wiggy thinks he loves it, right? Make okay. him think. Sure. Make Wiggy. He's one of thinks my guys. That he loves him. Yeah. Yeah. So, but he was. Uh, it was. Uh, I think Thibodeau realizes that Wiggins has been put in a tough situation, mm-hmm. right? And Don't he's you? had he's had
3: to adjust. It's yeah. been he has probably had the toughest adjustment to all these new players and the, the big you know uh-huh. all the big people, over overhaul of the people roster. People
1: think I'm crazy, but if there's 15 seconds to go and you got to shoot a basket, you got to make a basket to win. And all they're doing right now is throwing the ball to Butler and letting him try to do something. I, You know, you can get mad at Wiggins, but Butler, in those situations, isn't looking for anybody else. He's going to take a shot, right?
3: He's mm-hmm. getting his. He's
1: going to get, well, he just feels like that's, and, and that's the ball. And
3: that's largely because in Chicago, he was so good at delivering in yes. those moments for he's so long. He's done it a
1: couple of times this year. He yeah. hasn't, but he's missed as many as he's made. But I just assume to have Wiggins have the ball. Yeah, I mean if if they're going to double team Butler and they're going to make him take a tough shot, give it up. Who's the better shooter, Butler
3: probably. Butler's probably. Yeah, the
1: Wiggins shooter, is not yeah. having a real good shooting here, but now he's shooting it. He still last night missed three more free throws. He's
3: yeah, the free throw thing terrible. is still kind of an issue. He's kind of dropped off with that. But again, like with him, he is almost unguardable if he gets in into the paint, if whether the ball's in his hands or rather he's cutting. He is almost unguardable. He is he's very explosive so, because yeah. he's very explosive. He's so athletic, and that spin move that he does when he gets into the lane, it's it's almost unguardable. You can't yeah. you can't stop it. But there are just times where he he will just drift and he'll settle along the perimeter and he'll just stand there and he'll be open and they'll he'll get a, he'll get a look and he'll just throw up a three and it's like oh cut cut to the basket. The get Clippers aren't a playoff good. team,
1: right?
0: No, no, I didn't. I didn't. Uh, well, again.
1: they're. I mean, the, not with all these guys hurt for sure. Yeah, One was the, with them last night. By the way, getting all these technical fouls is when the game still. Do we need to over. call the police? Do we need uh, a police presence? <laughs> no, <laughs> they were presence. not. Doc got thrown out. Uh, Mike Woodson, his uh, number one assistant, got thrown out. Sammy Cassell had a tee sammy's on the sammy's staff. on the yeah. staff Oh, sammy's yeah. looking intellectual too he's got the glass oh, sam, glasses
3: sam ended up being the coach the, yes. the head coach for like the last 10 seconds but because doc got cats. tossed and mike woodson you got doing, tossed
1: doc i mean the, the odds are against you but you got lou williams so why are you getting thrown out
3: well you know doc is he's has a history of being kind of surly when it comes to officiating he's always yes. been a guy that's yeah, I know, but always he's, mad about officiating but he gets
1: right there it's it's what it's Three or four, and they're going to the line, or four, and they're going to the line. Yeah, and, and he, there's, there's and about 15 seconds left. And then left they and. get another. And Wiggins liked that team because they gave to the free throw to shoot to get to 40. They had him go <laughs> shoot the free throw to get to 40. But, uh, yeah, they are uh, they got who? They got Portland left and uh, Golden State. Golden State. Well, yeah, okay. Well, they had to win this one. This is the one yeah. if you're on that road trip.
3: Otherwise, and she por- turns into a bad Portland is Portland is a place that, regardless of – where the teams are at has always been a place that has not been kind to the Wolves. The uh, you're right. And they always always had hard, trouble They always there.
1: have a hard time uh, guarding uh, Lillard and McCullum when they're playing together, too. So.
3: Yep. All
1: right. Well, anyway, nice win last night. And by the way, that phony guard we got instead of Ricky—, Ricky got 30 last night too Jeff D. We yeah, could have had Ricky. Pretty... Ricky's averaging about 3 in the last month too isn't he? Ricky's been. Yeah, well his Ricky assist can't... numbers
3: are going down and his his shooting numbers are about the same yeah. it's still bad. So
1: All righty, we uh, shall return and see what John Height has in mind and then Sarah McClellan who covers the uh Wild for the Star Tribune. Well th- that team's hot. Don't look now, they're hot. I just saw this from ESPN stats and info, or info and stats, whatever it is. Tom Brady will be the favorite for the 50th straight start on in the Super Bowl in two weeks. Wow, 50 Shoot. straight games. The record is Kurt Warner, 55 straight games with the uh, St. Louis Rams. Huh. That's a all-timer, but 50 straight games that's, are the favorite. That's uh, that's a little frightening, isn't it? <laughs> So anyway, here's John.
2: <laughs> Thanks, Patrick. Uh, I this... thought
1: I'd I, I, I thought I'd already introduced you, John. Uh, Sorry, right. but, but I didn't. This is we've been we've been uh, we've been abusing you today, John. Yeah.
2: Joe abused you at the three three thirty, and now this. Yeah, it's all right. Okay. This update sponsored by Account Temps. Do you need accounting and finance professionals for long term or recurring projects? If so, Account Temps salaried professional service may be the right solution. Visit AccountTemps.com. Account Temps or Robert Half Company. Vikings coach Mike Zimmer held his season ending press conference this morning. A lot of issues were addressed, including the quarterback situation. Of course, all three quarterbacks are free agents. Teddy Bridgewater had the catastrophic knee injury, and Zimmer was asked how Bridgewater is doing and uh, what they see in him.
1: Obviously, we would have liked to see him more on the field, but,
2: you know, quite honestly, for him to get on the field is an unbelievable achievement. Uh, You know, when this injury happened,
1: I mean, I can kind of go through it. There was you know, we researched this injury. There was 24 of these similar types of injuries through all sports. Half of them never came back. <clears throat> and I think the earliest one that anybody ever came back was 24 months.
2: Zimmer wouldn't say anything about who might play quarterback next season, saying they'll be doing evaluations in the upcoming weeks. And speaking of injuries, he also said center Pat Elfline uh, will have off-season surgery. He was hurt in the Eagles game on Sunday. But
1: they wouldn't tell us for what though because you you can't let that information out uh might give your uh, opponent an advantage. 9 months before your first game. <laughs> you,
3: know? you should have just said lower body.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lower yep. body. Yep. Uh TV numbers from the Twin Cities in for the game on Sunday. Oh man. Mm-hmm. More than 1 million Twin Cities households viewed the game wow. but the numbers of course as you might expect plummeted as the <laughs> game moved on. At kickoff get this. 84% of those watching TV in the Twin Cities wow. were tuned into Channel 9. Wow. Uh, by 6 15, the matchup registered a 59.7 rating, uh, but viewership began to fade even more as the Eagles jumped out to a 24 7 lead by the end of the first half. <laughs> uh, overall, the three hour plus game averaged a 54.4 rating locally, which is quite good, of course, and a 76% share of households watching TV during that period. Nationally, the game averaged a 24.7 rating and a 56
3: share. It probably slowly, very, very slowly started to decline the moment Keenum threw that pick six because mm-hmm. then you kind of figured, eh, they might be in trouble. Nick <laughs> Bleeping Foles. You lost to Nick. You were
2: humiliated by Nick Foles. Mm. Gary Collins reincarnated. There is a graph uh, accompanying one of the stories about the ratings, and it's basically a line that goes up a little bit and then... Well,
1: we have no sense of humor about Viking defeats. (laughs) Only a few of us do.
2: Minnesota Gophers in action this evening. Northwestern in for a game at Williams Arena. That is an 8 o'clock start tonight. Uh, Glenn Perkins retiring after 12 seasons with the Twins. Perkins amassing 120 career saves for Minnesota. Posted a 3.88 ERA. His best years came between 2012 and 2015. Uh, During that period, he made three All-Star teams and was one of the most dominant closers in the American League. Earned the save in the 2014 All-Star game here at Target Field. His career derailed by a torn labrum to his pitching shoulder in 2016. He had surgery in June of that year. After missing all, uh, almost all of 2016 and most of 2017, he was able to come back August of last year, making eight appearances for the Twins. He'll retire, if this is it, with the third most saves in franchise history behind Joe Nathan and Rick Aguilera.
1: All righty, sir. Thanks, John. You bet. Sarah McClellan covers the Wild for the Star Tribune. So a lot of people stayed away uh, last night, uh, kept away by the snowstorm, I guess. Uh, must have made you feel like you were covering a Coyotes game for the first time since you got up here, huh?
4: It was different. It was such a different <laughs> vibe than what we're used to seeing here with, you know, not a lot of people at warm-up. And then even, you know, kind of when the anthems were going and puck drop, you're just used to seeing this big, Full, boisterous building and, and it was Definitely a different vibe last night and Obviously the fans weren't the only ones that You know were having trouble getting to the Arena with the players you know, <laughs> Struggling some to make it in before warm Up it, it was it was a unique experience Something that yeah I didn't didn't experience in Arizona where you don't have to shovel sunshine. Yeah,
1: but uh, then in Arizona you only had about six thousand people trying to get to the rink, so that was a that was a different situation too. Uh, Sarah, uh, how have you found Boudreaux? He can be uh, he had a good quote about uh, trying to get the fellas to stay in a hotel, but they all thought they could uh, beat the snowstorm and get there on time. Uh, he's uh, he can give you the good quote, can he? Yeah.
4: Yeah, no, he's been he's been great to, to work alongside so far I, I think what I've noticed about Bruce is is he's very honest and he's very honest in his assessments of what he's seeing and um, you know honest on how he's you know grading the team and, and what he thinks uh, this team needs to improve on what it's doing well at and um, you yeah, know I, I think that's very helpful just to understand where the team's at where it has to go and just to kind of get an accurate barometer on the team. He, he definitely has his pulse on it. And, um, you know, that's obviously for, you know, a coach to know his players, to know what needs to be done, to know what needs to improve. And he certainly kind of has that pulse figured out so far. And, um, that's important with half a season to go. And, a lot of games to play to try to grab as many points as possible to stay in this really tight Western Conference playoff race.
1: Yeah, uh, everybody's been so uh, uh, you know into the Vikings for the last month or so that uh, they've kind of lost sight of the fact that don't look now! This hockey team has been playing pretty dang good, and is six points out of first place in the division. If my uh, if my math is correct, so uh, I mean they're they've been moving up. It's just when you see a team like Colorado win ten in a row, it's kind of weird to figure out what's going on. But they've been they've been playing
4: good. Yeah, that's the thing. If you take out all these other winning streaks from other teams. I mean, they're probably in a comfortable position, but that just speaks to the parity, especially in the Central Division, that everyone around them is winning. And and maybe that's, you know, partly fueled the wild, too, to have to stay, you know, up to pace with everybody else. If, you know, if everybody else was kind of shrugging off and, you know, you had this opportunity, maybe that desperation wouldn't be there, but it really looks like that vibe, uh, that urgency is already seeped into that room. And um, you have to win. You have to get at least a point every night to just stay in the hunt because everyone else around you is making it so there's a very minimal margin of error. It's a very unique vibe, I think, for this season because usually we do see some separation or we don't see this tight of a race until March. Uh, But the fact that it's happening before the All-Star break It'll make for a really exciting, entertaining finish, and, you know, it really is kind of up in the air who's going to grab onto those spots.
1: Yeah, you look at the standings, and the Chicago Blackhawks are solidly in last place. We haven't seen that for a while. Yeah, it really is a
4: unique season, especially, like you said, the Avalanche, to already surpass what they accomplished last season and be in the thick of this race. When it looked like they were, you know, they really were a footnote on, you know, on the standings all of last season. A lot of change this season, which I I guess is good for the game. It really kind of keeps it fresh and new teams involved, and it'll make for exciting hockey, that's for sure.
1: Uh, They had to uh, be uh, extremely encouraged to see Parisi get goals in back to back games. Uh, He's obviously moving again, huh?
4: Yeah, I think that's really encouraging for the team and for for Zach to finally have a tangible reward for his efforts. Because you know he's been moving his legs, he's been trying really hard. Um, he's been around the net a lot, so it all it you know got to the point where it looked like it was just a matter of time before he'd bury a goal. And, and now maybe he gets on a roll. I mean, plays like that can kind of be contagious. You get your confidence up. Um, you know, you start to 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 be around the puck even more than you were and. Um, You know, I know he missed, you know, almost the entire first half of the season, but he still expects himself to to be involved and be a catalyst and be someone that helps this team get into the playoffs and make some noise. And um, for him to have those expectations and to start to, you know, contribute and, and look like he can be that player, that's a really encouraging sign, I think, for the team to have him back in the mix involved like he is.
1: Uh, last year, uh, Sarah Kemper played uh, so poorly so often that they really uh, would only play Dubnik, but uh, Stalock has been a uh, quite a uh, presence for this team to give uh, Boudreaux an alternative. He doesn't have to wear Dubnik. He can maybe later in the year play Dubnik every night, but he doesn't have to right now.
4: Yeah, for sure i i think that's been a big boost for the team knowing that the schedule is so busy and to try to ease devin's workload when they can that they have an alternative to go to uh, who can be steady and who can make the saves and give this team confidence you know i, I don't think all the results have necessarily matched up to the way that alex has played with cotton net um, you know he's maybe had a few you know bad bounces here or there some bad tuck luck as far as for the team in front of him, but I think he's been everything you could ask for a backup. And that's someone, you know, when you need that occasional spot start to come in and just be a rock back there. It doesn't have to be flashy. doesn't have to be highlight reel material, but just someone to do the job that you know that you can count on them when you need to go to them. And I think Alex has been that in spades for the Wild so far this season.
1: Hey, uh, what's the word on Niederreiter?
4: He's still dealing with, That lower body injury, last we heard, he hadn't even been cleared yet to get on the ice. Um, This is a different issue than the left ankle issue that he had before um, that had sidelined him. So, you know, it's just kind of been a rough year for him to have the ankle sprain at the start then this other ankle issue and now his latest setback. It kind of just seems like it snowballs and, you know, it's tough to get healthy and it's tough to play healthy and... So I think they're taking their time with this time, letting him fully recuperate, and, you know, they expect him back. And when he does, um, it just adds another dimension to that forward group.
1: This has uh, been uh, uh, completely different for him. He uh, absolutely uh, had, uh, you know, played all the time. I think he'd missed two games in four years or something, two, 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 two games in four or five years, and uh, now he's uh, getting banged up. It's uh, He had been very durable, which is uh, not having him is something you don't think about when you enter a season.
4: Yeah, for sure. I think that's probably been frustrating for a number of guys that have been sidelined, you know, for spurts this season, whether it be Charlie Coyle or Mikhail Granlin. And uh, these are players that, you know, just last year were important cogs in this lineup and used to contributing on a, you know, a nightly basis. And, um, you know, it's tough when you don't feel like you're at full strength to to try to play to your capabilities. And so, um, obviously, the injury bug has, is, is, you know, hung over the entire season. But the fact they've been able to remain competitive, stay in this race, you know, speaks to the depth for the contributions they receive from the players who have remained in the lineup. And, um, you know, that type of perseverance is probably what's going to help them stay in the race the rest of the way.
1: Hey, uh, you had a piece on the pride of Elk River, uh, Nate Prosser, who's, he came back here sort of as, uh, okay, maybe he'll get to play a couple of games, and he's been in the lineup every, uh, every
4: game. Yeah, he's really capitalized on this more opportunity. It's unlike what he's been in his previous stints with the team where he kind of was on the bubble and he was in and out and now he's anchoring that third pairing and you know it's a, it's his partner that's rotating in and out of the lineup and you know I think that speaks to probably the familiarity he had coming back into this situation. I think so often we just expect these athletes to be wired to adapt to their surroundings and um, you know it can be such a transient career that you know if you go to a new team you just fit in right away but There's a lot to be said about comfort level and, you know, knowing the situation you're getting yourself into. And I think Nate Prosser's probably been the poster boy for that and coming back here and just doing his job. You know, like I said, nothing flashy, just, um, you know, block shots is tough in front of the net. And, And then every now and then he gets rewarded with a goal like he did the other night.
1: How do you like working in a town where hockey matters?
4: This has been really enjoyable, you know, especially with how the season has gone, and, and every game is so important, and it's you know the fan base is so passionate about every result. Uh, it's been really fulfilling to kind of chronicle this type of season because you know it's it's you know it's going to be interesting right up to the end. It's it matters to a lot of people. It matters, um, you know, to the community, and and that's been really enjoyable. It's 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 been a it's been a busy season so far. You know, a lot to to cover
1: but i'm excited to see how the rest of it plays out all right sarah uh one last game in pittsburgh and then a little all-star break so uh thanks for your time
4: thanks take
1: care all right uh, sarah mcclellan uh she uh, covers the wild for the star tribune uh came in here from uh, phoenix i believe she told me that uh she she left phoenix about the end of october and had not yet Covered a victory. <laughs> Remember the fine coyote story that they had? <laughs> oh. I don't think uh, she might have stayed till the first week in November. Now, they'd won a couple, but she hadn't been a. But she wasn't a. Them, yeah, right. So, uh, wow. She hadn't covered a win until she got here. So we look like a Stanley Cup dynasty by comparison to the uh, coyotes. So. All right. We uh, shall return on This Day in History.
2: Quiet please, we'll be on the air. And now, this day in history. Patrick?
0: I think I've I've had a pretty dang good year. Um, Winning a World Series, making a trip to the White House, winning this award, and of course getting married. um, Probably the most important thing, but um, I'm so grateful for this. Thank you to the, the Writers Association.
2: I am humbled because of the award's rich history and the fact that since 1931, when it was first established, not one player has emerged as bigger than the game itself. Uh, that was,
1: uh, those were Chris Bryant and Mike Trout last year accepting their MVP trophies at the New York Baseball Writers Association dinner, which will be hosted for the 92nd time. On Sunday night. Okay. This dinner's been going on. The baseball writers uh, have been holding it in New York. And where they they get all, the, these awards are presented, but then they're presented again at the New York baseball writers dinner. Okay. And they, and they get both the MVPs, both the Cy Youngs, both the managers of the year, and both the rookies of the year. Generally speaking, they all show up. Uh, well, on this day and in history, here is a president... Who got it? FDR, 1937. (laughs) President Roosevelt excused himself from attending the annual dinner of the Baseball Writers Association in New York. But in a letter addressed to James Dawson of the New York Times, FDR praised the skill and sportsmanship of the sports writers who brought alive the excitement and heartbreak (laughs) of competition among American people. At a time when the United States was still slowly inching its way out of the Great Depression... Sports and sports writing remain venues of escapism that transcended economic woes. Wow. (laughs) FDR. He got it.
0: He did get it. But
1: this uh, dinner is uh, quite the deal. It's basically black tie. You no longer have to uh, show up uh, uh, in in black tie, but they... Am I drawing a complete
0: blank? I've never remember you attending this.
1: No, this is a, for the New York chapter. And it's, oh, it's oh not, okay. I mean, we have the Diamond Awards and stuff, but New York has had this dinner for ninety two. years. I got it. Okay. And, mm-hmm. and uh, okay, they also present some of their own awards in addition to the uh, the ones that uh, got it that, that okay. they have their own awards, but they also get ever. Now they're going to have Gian Giancarlo Stanton and Aaron Judge are going to pair together for the first time in New York. Accepting their awards night.
0: as teammates. Teammate, judge is the rookie of the year, and Stanton is. Oh uh, yeah,
1: yeah. Right. It'll be held seven p.m. A baseball writers' association of Americans at the Sheraton New York Times Square, and it's uh, it would be a fun dinner to go to sometime just to uh, because it's it's while the rest of us are out here schlepping, New York remains the capital of baseball. Yes, it is. Yes, the capital it does. of Baseball, and uh, and uh, when the when New York is a good, uh, baseball's in good shape.
0: Plus an event like that, too, where, I mean, because nobody can spin a yarn like, like baseball guys, especially
3: the yes. old-time baseball guys. And so that got, would be fun. So they, when, got,
1: they got their guy Francona there this year. So oh, my God.
3: So when Giancarlo goes up and makes his speech, is he going to thank the Marlins organization <laughs> yes, for, <right>. for, for <laughs> getting, <laughs> getting me the, the hell out, out of well. here? <laughs> yeah, right it.
1: Can you imagine the way that team's going to draw on the road oh, this
3: year? Oh, man.
1: Unbelievable. Hey well we we will be back this is the ride with Racing